0: We are been talking about heaven, and this is our fifth uh, installment of that, and uh, we'll hang it up for now and uh, move on to another subject, but we have taken a glorious trip through heaven. It has been amazing. Now, almost all of you that are here have probably visited Yosemite, being as close as we are, is a great benefit to one of the most magnificent natural parks, in all of America, if not the world. It is said that a woman visited Yosemite and came up to one of the guides and said this, if I only had one hour to visit Yosemite, what would you do? The guide looked at her and said, madam, if I only had one hour to see Yosemite, I would go over there and sit on the rock and I would cry for an hour. Because that's really what uh, it comes down to. If all you can have is an hour, you might as well just go over there and cry. Because there's so much to see. So beautiful. Now, we have taken five Sundays, to, including today, to explore heaven. And really, we're only scratching just the surface. And maybe after it all, we maybe just go and cry. Because there's so much more. I want to hear more about heaven, for sure. Sometimes people make fun of us for... Talking about heaven and being a Christian, it's always thinking about heaven and wishing heaven was coming, talking about the coming of the Lord. Some of them say, You Christians are so heavenly minded, you are no earthly good. I might suggest exactly the opposite. I think, in fact, so many Christians, so many of us, are so earthly minded, we are no good to heaven. And for that matter, we're no good to earth either. Because we are to be people that are heavenly-minded, and when we're heavenly-minded, we have a vision to make a difference in this world. Now, today, in this passage, Revelation 21 and the first part of 22 is the creme de la creme of uh, speaking about heaven, for sure. If you want to know about heaven, you go to Revelation 21, and so that's what we're going to be going at today. I'm looking forward to speaking about 10 features of our heavenly city. But I did read a story this week that reminded us how important it is, to be careful about what we say. A little girl crawled up in the lap of her grandpa and cuddled very close. She looked into grandpa's face and with those big blue eyes of hers, she said, Grandpa, can you please make this sound like a frog? Grandpa thought for a moment and smiled and said, ribbit, ribbit. Suddenly, the little girl leaped from his lap, ran to the kitchen, yelling as loud as he could, mommy, mommy, we're going to Disney World. Mommy, we're going to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. The young mom hushed her child and said, honey, why do you think we're going to Disney World? The little girl gleaming with joy said, well, you said we can go to Disney World when grandpa croaks. Uh, (laughs) Be careful what you say. All right. Well, maybe we'll get to see heaven without croaking here a little bit this morning. So let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you this morning. Ask for your strength. Ask for your wisdom. Holy Spirit of God, meet with us as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul is banished to a small little Grecian island. It was the favorite place that the Roman government, uh, which had control over much of the Middle East at that time. It was a little penal colony in a small little island, about uh, 30 uh, miles in circumference, not very big at all, no trees. In fact, the very name uh, Patmos means uh, barren. It was a rocky, craggy, just dry, nothing place. People were put there who were uh, not in favor with the Roman government, and basically you would go there and uh, you would just uh, break rocks or you would do whatever, but it was a terrible, terrible place. He was exiled there for his preaching the gospel. Not a lot has changed in 2,000 years around the world where preaching the gospel will get you in prison, similar to that pastor in turkey right now, who uh, they uh, just for preaching God's word. But all over the world, uh, we have a, a great need to hear about heaven. And John is exiled to the Isle of Patmos. It must have been terribly lonely. It must have been uh, just a horrible place to try to have any sort of uh, comfort. And there in the midst of all of that, God gives him a vision. You've got to imagine he was the most excited guy that there ever was. And so let's very quickly, if you would, there's a very long outline, so we want to get into that here this morning. We're going to chapter 21, verses 9 through 11. First of all, the summary of this city. The Holy Spirit gives us a quick summary of the aspects of the city, the fourth heaven, the New Jerusalem. First of all, the person who are the people that are involved? Verse 9, there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will shew thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, God has a variety of work that he asks his angels to do. Sometimes, like angels, uh, like pastors, must sound a trumpet of warning. To a careless world. Other times, thank God, they get to preach to the choir. They get to preach to those who love the Lord. And here they get to share the good news that God is opening up this wonderful place called heaven. I'm sure the angels must have lined up to get that news out. Can you imagine the angels hearing the news that a hundred year old Abraham and 90 year old Sarah were going to have a child? I'm sure the angels must have lined up, I want to tell him, I want to tell him. No, 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 he got to tell the last one, I want to tell him. And the angel that went and told Abraham, the Bible says when Abraham heard that news, he fell on his face laughing. I know some of you, if you heard that at that age, you would fall on your face crying. But uh, the angels get to tell the good news once in a while. And that's an awesome thing that, to think of that when eternity begins, we're going to be running with the angels. And notice what it says in that verse. It says, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Here it's really referring, it's personalizing a city, but it's reminding us that the city is full of the bride, which are the saved of all the ages. What a collection it must have been in that day that's going to be in heaven. I dreamed death came the other night. And heaven's gates swung wide. With kindly grace, an angel fair ushered me inside. And there to my astonishment stood folks I'd known on earth. Some I judged and labeled as unfit and of little worth. Indignant words rose to my lips, but never were set free. For every face showed stunned surprise, as no one expected me. <laughs> the persons in heaven, the bride of Christ. It's going to be quite a collection of people. Thank God it's going to include me. The person, the place. Now, what is this place that John is allowed to see? Verse 10, he carried me away in the spirit to the great high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And so the apostle John gets an ability to get a preview of heaven, But where is he when he gets this preview? Well, he's taken to a high mountain, and that's often what happens when you want to see a lot of things. You go to a high vantage point. And I would say that for us, if we want to see the high view of heaven, we also must climb. There's the twin peaks of Bible study and meditation, and those are the way that we're going to see heaven. Thank God we've been doing that for the last few weeks, the person, the place. Number three, the point. What is the point that he's going to be speaking about. It's the glory of God. Verse 11, having the glory of God. That's what this is all about. Heaven is all about the glory of God. And her light was likened to a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. What is the point of this vision? What is the purpose and what is the focus behind it? It is that heaven declares the glory of God. And it is a very physical place, and it actually, because of its physicality, it sometimes seems almost surreal, but the fact is, it is incredible. It says that it's uh, it's crystal clear with a light shining through it with the hue of a jasper stone. I tried to get a definitive answer about what color jasper was, and the most... Uh, uh, most uh, commentaries, and most people who I read said it's more like a reddish type stone. Others said of a different color, but whatever the case was, can you imagine a crystal clear, translucent, reddish tint to this city and the city that uh, we have some little picture depictions, feel free to throw those up as we go along, but verse 18, it says, and the building of the wall of it was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass, I'm telling you, the beauty of this city is going to knock your socks right off. Hinduism might have the Taj Mahal, but I'll tell you one thing, it is a shack compared to the new Jerusalem, that new blessed city. And so we've had a summary of the city. Now, what's the security of the city? This is a long passage here, but uh, any um, place that's uh, heaven has to be safe for sure. And uh, if it's safe, it needs walls and gates, verse 12 and I had a wall great and high and 12 gates, and at the 12 gates, angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Now what are these uh, walls there? What are these gates for? Are they uh, there to keep uh, unbelievers out? Well, no, actually they're not to keep the unbelievers out because the unbelievers, the Bible says, are actually already in hell. What are then these walls? Well, they're actually might be more considered monuments or just symbols of God's constant watch care and His security and His safety. Heaven is a very, very, very safe place. I know in this world we live in, it's not always easy to feel safe, and yet in heaven it is absolutely, incredibly safe, surrounded, walls, surrounded by God, forever forever Separated from any and all evil. In fact, we're even told the height. Skip down to verse 17 for a moment. And he measured the wall thereof, and hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is of the angel. That's about 500 feet tall. Can you imagine a wall 500 feet tall? I know our president is trying to do what he can to keep our southern borders safe, and they're testing out different prototypes for the walls along that border there? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Here's a good example right here, 500 feet tall. There you go. But notice it says uh, there'll be gates that are always open. People say, well, man, heaven sounds like a prison. No, the gates are always open. The fact is heaven is a beautiful place to go and it's very open. Now it says that above the gates are listed the names of the tribes of Israel. Now why does God... Put the tribes of Israel there. You think, man, that I thought that was Old Testament. They're all gone. No, the Bible reminds us that God made a covenant with Israel. He took Abraham. He's the father of the Jews, and he gave him an unconditional covenant. No matter what else happens in the future, all Israel will have the blessings of God. You'd say, well, that cuts me out. I'm not Hebrew. But the fact is book of Romans reminds us that when we get saved, we become part of spiritual Israel. That is, we receive all the covenant promises that God gave to Israel. That's amazing. And so God said, walk into that gate because you are a spiritual Jew. That means when I get to heaven, my name's going to be Pollockstein, And uh, you're going to be whatever you are, but we're all going to be Jewish in heaven. And notice it says that the angelic guards are placed there at the gates. You'd say, well, is that the customs and uh, you know, border control? No, actually what it really is, they're just doormen. They're these wonderful big doormen that are there and they are simply there to honor you. When you walk in, they will just call you by name and they will say, here you go, come right on in. And Notice there are an inscription on the gates. You know, uh, Pauline and I, one of our favorite little getaways is to go down to the Monterey area, Big Sur Peninsula. and We love to go to Carmel, go down to the Carmel Beach. It's our favorite beach to go to. and uh, We like driving around up in little houses there. We were driving around one day and I realized this is a strange thing because it's the only city I've ever been to that doesn't have any numbers on the houses. You ever notice that? They all just have names, Seabreeze, Ocean Foam. (laughs) And whatever else, but they're just names. I thought, okay, this is a ritzy place. They don't even have numbers. They just have uh, you know, names. Well, that's what heaven's like. It's so ritzy. There's no numbers up there. It just has your name right there. The Bible says you're going to march right into that gate. Verse 13, on the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. Each of the four sides has three gates signifying that from all corners of the globe, people will be there. North, south, east, and west. I remind you that Christianity is not a Western religion. It is a Northern religion, a Southern religion. It is an Eastern religion. It is awesome for all the saints of God. Verse 14, and the wall of that city had 12 foundations, beautiful foundations. And in the name of the 12 apostles. So we have the 12 tribes of Israel. Now we have the 12 apostles. God's just reminding us that everybody who is genuinely saved, whether they be Old Testament or New Testament saints, they are as welcome to heaven as anybody. Sometimes folks wonder how Old Testament people got saved. We had some folks in our church for a while that kind of spread some False doctrine in our church, and said that you know back in the Old Testament people were saved by keeping the law, and uh, that's that is absolutely a lie. That is uh, that is a hellish doctrine. No, the Bible says Noah found what grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was saved by grace. Everybody's always been saved by grace. I always chuckle when people say this is the day of grace. No. It's been the day of grace since Adam and Eve, friends. No one ever got saved by works. It's always a day of grace. And uh, here the Bible says that the Old Testament saints and the New Testament saints, hallelujah, the the tribes and the apostles, everybody gets to go to heaven if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, and he, he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the walls thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. This satellite city that is hovering above the earth or close to the earth, who knows really where it is, but the fact is, it is two million square cubic miles. Some Christian mathematician did some figuring, trying to figure out uh, what that means. He said, if there was 20 billion people, 20 billion, not million, 20 billion people in a cube that size, sometimes people think, well, you know, that's too small. But the fact is, 20 billion Christians could live in that satellite heaven. Each one gets 75 acres and still room for lakes and oceans and uh, lanes and streets, just amazing. Can you imagine, folks, what it must be like up there, that place, all from all corners of the earth? Everybody's singing. I think one of the most precious things about traveling internationally and meeting other Christians is when you get to be in one of their worship services. I love to hear people sing in their mother tongue. I just Every time, same thing happens. I just sit there just weeping because I know these folks are part of that great group that the Bible says from every tribe, every language are going to be in heaven. Everybody just singing the Lord, their own language inside of a big giant cube, 20 billion people singing to God. I mean to tell you, it's good around here when we sing, but I'd say what it's going to be unbelievable in heaven. Verse 19 and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Now, if you're a jewelry lover and you're a precious stones uh, aficionado, you might understand what some of these are. But it says the first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third, the third, excuse me, Chalcedony. The fourth, Emerald. The fifth, Sardonyx. The sixth, Sardius. The seventh, Chrysolite. The eighth, Beryl. The ninth, a Topaz. The tenth, Chrysoprase. The eleventh, a Jacinth. And the twelfth, an Amethyst. Verse 21. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, big giant pearl. And every several gate was one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold as it were, transparent glass. Now, I'm telling you, that's one strong foundation. Now, precious stones are very, very hard. That's why they're precious, because it takes all kinds of things for the geology of the earth to be able to produce those amazing stones, blue and purple and green and red and gold color and just all these amazing colors, all in sort of a translucent type of Crystal clear way, and the streets were transparent gold. That's what heaven actually looks like. Now, there's no reason to spiritualize this, uh, because the fact is, this is a, these this is actually the way it looks. Can you imagine twelve different precious stones? You talk about a solid foundation. You know, they've found that when you layer things together, it's actually stronger than just one thing. You have a two-inch board; it's strong. But if you take two inches of plywood and layer them, it's like many times stronger. And so God just makes this foundation of all these precious stones just so solid. It's not like that building over in San Francisco, that high-rise building that's sinking six or eight inches a year. No, we're not going to be sinking up in heaven. This is a solid foundation. And notice how beautiful it is, 12 types of beautiful precious stones. If you're a jewelry lover, you're going to love heaven. I mean, you may not have a diamond here, very much, very big. Uh, We had to buy a saw blade the other day to cut that concrete, and I asked John why it's so expensive because it has diamonds in the edge of that thing. I looked at that thing and I thought, my goodness, that looks like some of the diamonds on the rings that I, you know, uh, I try to buy. A little tiny thing can't even see them, but uh, diamonds and rubies and. Well, I tell you one thing, it's going to be a precious thing to be saved. and That's what God's simply saying. He said it's beautiful to be saved. And in heaven you're going to walk on gold streets it says. Did you hear that there are streets? That means there's going to be order in heaven. Orderly streets where you get to walk on. And uh, if you've been to some of the cities in our country, you kind of wonder uh, how Anybody could ever lay out such a city. We went to New Orleans, and I'm still trying to figure that place out. I mean, uh, you can't figure out what, where streets go where down there. But you know, heaven's going to be absolutely just laid out. It's going to be so amazing. The Bible says there's actual streets and there's mansion. If we're walking, that suggests that it's not going to be a place of inactivity. It's going to be restful, but it's not going to be inactivity. The Bible says there's going to be lots of motion because they're going to be walking. You're going to be walking with Jesus. Everybody gets to see the face of God. You get to walk with the Lord. You get to walk with each other. We're told in 1 Corinthians that there's a suggestion that we're going to be known even as we're known. Just like a kernel of corn becomes a a wheat of corn, becomes a, a plant of corn. Maybe a little different in its look, but you still know it's wheat. And that's what we're going to be like. We may be a little different, but you still know what we're like. And so we're going to fellowship with people we've always loved. We're going to walk around there, walk with the Lord. We're going to be walking. One of the most precious things I think to do with anybody you love is just take a walk. And notice how clean it is. The Bible says it's like transparent gold. I mean, it is absolutely spit-polished clean. The cleanest city that there's ever been. They say if you live in Singapore and you even spit on the ground, you can get arrested. They say Singapore is the most amazing, clean city in the world, and yet the fact is that the new heaven is going to be so clean, it's going to be like beautiful streets, crystal clear, like gold. It's going to be solid. It's going to be firm footing, and when I walk, I like to have firm footing. I know some of our folks love to take off hiking up through the mountains walking over boulders, and I have to say, thank you, no thank you. I want something solid to walk on, boy, for sure. And in heaven, no boulder jumping, for sure. You're going to be walking on solid streets, streets that are solid. And each gate is a pearl. Why would each gate be a pearl? Well, because it's the way. And Jesus is the pearl of greatest price. He is the way, the truth in the life. And so the summary of the city, the security of this city. Now, the sanctuary of the city, verse 22, I saw no temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. We're going to be going to church in heaven. Awesome worship, amazing praise, incredible fellowship in a building not made with hands. Why? Because the presence of God is going to be so great. It's just going to be like church everywhere. It's going to be like 100% church all the time. I mean, just going to be fellowshipping. Sometimes I walk out into that small little lobby of ours, and I mean, you can't even hear yourself think out there. That little thing, everybody talking and laughing in such a beautiful time. Heaven's going to be like that. It's going to be like church all over, wherever you go. Verse four, excuse me, the fourth point of our outline here, the sunlight of this city, 21 and 23. Now, what are we going to do for light? can't walk around in the dark, verse 23. The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now, I love the sunset. There's some very beautiful sunsets we've seen, and occasionally, especially in the fall here, sometimes the spring, you'll see these amazing sunsets. But as much as I like sunsets, the sunrise is so much better because the sun rise, you feel like, okay, now I'm alive. <laughs> I didn't die during the night, so you know it's a, the it's a feeling of warmth. It'd be a dismal place if there was no sun. But the Bible says the sun in heaven is not the typical sun. It is actually God himself. He is a divine nuclear reactor. We don't have solar power up there. We have savior power. And that's what we're going to have in heaven. We're going to have, it's going to be gloriously bright, beautifully bright. Abraham Lincoln, our president, one time was walking along a country road and he looked up into the stars and he said to the person who was walking with him, He said, You know, I never look at them with out the thinking that I'm actually looking into the face of God. He said, I understand how some people can look at Earth and become an atheist. But he said, I cannot ever conceive looking into the heavens and saying, there is no God. There's something about the glory of God that is the sun. The fifth point of our outline is the settlers of the city, verses 24 and 25. Now, is this going to be like a big Western society group picture? No. Look at verse 24. The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. If you're saved, you're going to be in heaven. It makes no difference. The color of your skin, whatever physical features, whatever language makes no difference. The kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut all by day, and there shall be no night there. Every nation that has ever lived, even ones that have gone into, distinct, into extinction, the Bible says every nation. What are the demographics Of heaven, well, you know, on earth, they there are different demographics in America. They talk about the one percent, the one percent who owns forty percent of the American wealth, and I'm definitely part of the ninety-nine percent. We kind of down that ninety-nine there, but um, the demographics of heaven, every nation and every, it says kings, as well as people who are not kings. Jesus is not just a poor man's God; He's every man's God. And notice the constant access, the gates will never be shut. Well, there's no night. There's no shutting of the gates. There's really no need to shut the gates because everybody's saved. And it's just one big glorious church service. And I think it's just a constant reminder that God's door is always open. He's a God of mercy, as we sung so beautifully a little bit ago. Verse The sixth point here about heaven is the space of the city. Verse 26, what kind of lifestyle do we find in that city? And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Whatever is excellent and whatever is valuable and whatever is wonderful on earth, the Bible says you bring it into heaven in a better and greater way. Sometimes people say, Boy, I don't want to die because. I'll not have this or I'll not have that. If it's good here and it's holy and just and excellent, the Bible says you bring it into heaven, it's only going to be better. More and better buildings, more sweet and more healthy, satisfying food, more vacations, more quality times with your family and those you love, more joy of uh, recreation. The Bible just simply says it's going to be more and better. The seventh attribute Are the saints of the city, verse 27, absolute purity, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. We, the saints of God, will have nothing impure remaining in us, cleansed from everything, Now, you're here this morning, and if you're a born-again child of God, you have been, and you're saved. It's a wonderful thing, but you and I both know that we have an old sin nature, and there are things in us that remain. There are things that just seems like just always such a struggle, and at best we have imperfections, and yet the Bible says in heaven we are perfectly pure. No sin in heaven. Any habits or hang-ups or issues that we have here be gone. I'm not going to be have this issue in heaven. It says absolutely none. Notice what it very clearly says, no defiling. Nothing that uh, mocks God. And I will tell you, if as Christians, we get so tired of seeing our God mocked by the media, mocked by uh, false religion, no abomination. Every day, it seems like, every week, every month, it just gets more and more the perversion of our society paraded now in the front of children, precious little grade school children sending going to public schools. It's now part of California law where they are demanding to hear about homosexuality. It's just terrible. But the Bible says no defiling, no abomination, and no liars. Be nobody to betray you in heaven. And if anybody has ever stung from the depth of someone's betrayal, it'll never be there in heaven. Nobody's going to trick God. Look what it says. It says, only people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the only people there. On earth, we can trick God. I mean, we can trick people, but uh, we can't trick God even on earth, but certainly never in heaven because the Bible says the only people there actually have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, I believe it's an important thing to be a church member, but even if you have your name on a church roll, it doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. You've got to have your name written in Lamb's Book of Life, and if your name is written in Lamb's Book of Life, then you're, it's fine. My uh, sweet wife and I, uh, uh, we, I made an appointment for us to go to, over to San Francisco to Border Patrol there and, and uh, talk about a little program they have for expedited uh, international travel. But uh, you have to put your name in a folder. You have to put your, all your information, and it takes for several months for you to get an appointment. So we finally got our appointment and we went over there and he's checking at the door and they come out, you know, and that guy comes out, all of his things, uh, security guard or the border patrol. And he looks at you and he said, yes. I said, "Uh, we have an appointment for today. He said, what's your name? I said, Tim and Pauline Pollock. He looks at that thing. He said, Pauline Pollock, yes. I said, no, uh, Tim and Pauline Pollock. He said, there's no Tim. (laughs) I said, well, I I made online and it's, I put Tim and Paul, he said, Pauline Pollock. And uh, he looked at me like, "Don't ask me that again." And uh, but I thought, you know what? I made the appointment. I know I made the appointment. I wrote it down. And uh, so I asked him one more time. I said, "Tim Pollock, I said, "I made." It. He said, "It's not on there, sir." He said, "Sit over here. I'll take Paul. I'll call Pauline in a minute." And I thought, "Oh man, goodness gracious! My wife is okay, but not me. They must have discovered something, you know." And uh, but uh, I, they, they had mercy on me down the line there. But you know what? The Bible, it's a terrible thing to not have your name on the roll. And they didn't have my name. The Bible says only those that are in the Lamb's book of life. Verse the the point here is the scenery of this city. Now we go to chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. What's the landscape like in heaven? And he showed me a pure river, water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God. And, of the and in the midst of the street on either side of the river, there was a tree of life, a bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Can't be, a, can't be paradise without fruit desserts. Amen. I mean, boy, it's not going to be heaven without raspberry pie for sure or, uh, or sweet potato pie. Oh, that's not a fruit. But anyway, um, <laughs> notice, uh, I know some of you are catching that. But uh, notice what it says there. It's going to be a well-watered. Now, some of the most pure, pure streams on earth have issues. You ever take some clear water and put it under a microscope? You'll never drink again. You'll think, man, I'm not having that stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of little amoebas and things floating around there. It's crazy. But the Bible says this water is clear. Not only clear, but it says crystal clear, refreshing, life-giving water. And notice there's a tree that's like the tree in the Garden of Eden, only better. It's right in the middle of the street, fed by this pure water, and the Bible says 12 varieties of fruits are on it. I already got my vote. I'm, no, I'm sure there's going to be mangoes, that's for sure. There's going to be nice white uh, nectarines like that. I know there's going to be all kinds of amazing fruit. But the Bible says it doesn't just, you don't just get it during harvest season. How many times have I wanted to get something good and someone says it's not the right season? (laughs) I love apples and I have just almost a part of an apple every day. And uh, Pauline, I I said, Pauline, now when you go get those apples, don't get the good looking apples. She said, what? I said, don't get a good looking apple. They're terrible tasting. And she said, what do you mean? I said, those good looking ones are the ones they pick early. And they put them up, and then some refrigerator. And then when they're about ready to sell them, they wax them up, make them look good, and they put them on there. And they taste terrible. I said, the best apples you look on top, and they are all beat up and messed up. And she said, really? That's what? and so she that's what she gets I me mean, now. She gets these beat up apples. She'll put some up there on the on the stand to buy them, and the, the the checker will say, Don't you want another apple? <laughs> She'll say, No, that's exactly what my husband wants right there. Don't get apples in a bag either. Get them one by one. They got to be ugly looking big apples. All, the hev- all apples in heaven are big, fat, and ugly. And they're sweet as anything. My, my theory is that the reason they're all beat up is because they've been hanging on a tree a long time and they're a little burnt from on top from all the sun. That's my theory. And uh, But I'm not sure about if they, all that, but I do know that really works. But I mean, there's going to be sweet apples and Always satisfying, always there for us, all the time. I mean, folks, God says it's going to be some good eating in heaven. And then notice what it says. It says there's going to be leaves for healing of the nations. You'd say, well, wait a second. How could there be sickness in heaven? I thought there was, why do you need to get healed if there's no sickness in heaven? Well, probably a little word study here is good because the word healing actually is the Greek word for therapy or therapeutic. The concept is that the, the leaves that you eat are going to be uh, just give a refreshing, like a glow of good health to you. I mean, always good health. The food gives good health. And then notice the supremacy of the city, verse 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. There is a perfect freedom from everything that is evil. Now notice what it says it says, "No more curse." Actually, that little phrase there, in the original language is no more accursed one." If you're writing that in your Bible, you might just note that, because the Bible says, "No devil in heaven. Hallelujah, the devil won't be there in my father's house, in my father's house, in my father's house, the devil." The devil will not be there. And it says, we'll serve him. Notice what it says, and his servants shall serve him. Now, don't get the idea that heaven's going to be one big retirement home, folks. You're not going to be wearing a halo, sitting on a rocking chair, you know, just thinking about how good the times used to be, plucking a harp. That's not going to work. The Bible says we are going to be serving in heaven. Imagine something you'd always wanted to do to serve God. What is it? Would you like to get up here and sing like these folks? Well, I already, got, I already know what I'm going to do in heaven. I'm going to play a cello. I'm going to be up there just playing that cello, and I'm going to be tried as good as Brother Mike. I'm going to be playing that cello, and I'm going to be preaching in Italian because <laughs> I've always wanted to speak a foreign language, and so I'm going to preach in Italian. I am. It's going to be good. Oh, Oh, that's Russian. Anyway, I'm going to speak in Italian, I'm going to preach in Italian. Play the cello and preach in Italian, that's what I'm going to do. And then number 10, this satisfaction of this city, verse 4, and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads and there shall be no night there. Eh, I got to thinking about something funny. And there shall be night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the sun, for the Lord God giveth them the light, and they shall reign forever and ever. What's the greatest thing about heaven? Here it is. The Bible says you will see the face of God. See the face of the one who saved you. There's love on his face. The Bible says that Jesus in his glorified body had the nail prints in his hand. You're going to see the crown scars, and it's going to, you're going to look at that face, and it's going to have all that. It's going to have problems for being beaten, and yet it's going to be the most beautiful face you ever touched. You're going to see the very face of Jesus. The Bible says that there's going to be uh, the name of God in the foreheads of the people. And One of the problems in the society we live in today is fear. I mean, honestly, anymore, you don't even know who around you might be a terrorist. People come into church anymore and sit there for 15 minutes and then step up with a gun and shoot people. But I tell you one thing, it's not going to be like that in heaven because the Bible says on their foreheads, you will know who belongs in heaven because the name of God's right on their forehead. No tricking anybody up there. Perfect knowledge, perfect joy, perfect wisdom, perfect comfort in a perfect eternity. In just two weeks, Britain's Prince Harry and American actress Meghan Markle are going to marry in the Westminster Abbey. They estimate that they're wedding will be at a cost of $45 million. It is the most talked about event in the world today. Everybody will be watching. If you're as old as I am or older, you may remember, however, another British wedding. About 40 years ago in 1981, one of the most, in fact, certainly the most publicized and glamorous wedding in history took place. Prince Charles married Lady Diana. They estimate almost 1 billion people were watching on their TV sets. Thousands of pots of fresh flowers lined the route to St. Paul's Cathedral, horse-drawn carriage, 2,500 people crowded the church, 21 cameras at every angle, helping the world to see what was going on. And for many people, they were the envy of all. Millionaires, rich, famous, beautiful people. Really, to many, heaven on earth. Sadly, we know that that fairy tale became a nightmare. The couple became more and more distant. Affairs ensued, and the story marriage eventually collapsed into adultery and divorce. And we learned a lesson that it takes more than a prince, a lady, and a palace to make true happiness. What is happiness? True happiness, the ultimate, is our heavenly home that was given to us by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that, my friend, is heaven. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.